0: Good morning, my name's Christine, and it's a joy to open the Bible with you today. We have two Bible passages that we'll be reading from today. The first is from Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. If you've got one of the Bibles up the back, it's found on page 587. We're reading from chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Our second passage that we'll be reading together is from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It's found in the New Testament. It's on page 922, if you're reading along in the Black Bibles. Luke 10, 38 to 42. While they were travelling, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. and it will not be taken away from
1: her. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Ed, if I haven't met you, and uh, it's a privilege to be here this morning to open God's word with you. Uh, why don't we pray to start? Lord God, cal- calm our hurried hearts as we sit at your feet this morning. Help us to bring our Truth, our lives, our brokenness to you. And we ask for wisdom that you would give us the best life. Amen. Well, a woman immigrated to the USA and began to introduce herself as busy. Her family back home said, Why are you doing that? And she replied, This was the first thing she heard when meeting any American. I'm busy was obviously part of their traditional greeting. (laughs) How often do you say busy every day? I did an uh, experiment on myself. Over and over again in the last seven days, I noticed my reflex to say, how are you as busy? And actually, often the person that was asking me the question wouldn't even let me answer. They'd just say, you're busy, aren't you? Now, most of us are busy and getting busier. Life is full of activity. It's full of work, email, assignments, sport, meetings, family events, side hustles, driving kids to sport, then music, then dance, then sport, then music, then dance. John Hopkins, who are researchers, they call this go, go, go mentality the cult of busyness. It's pervasive the new normal, and it's damaging our lives and our children's lives. Now, why are we so busy? Well, here are lots. there are lots of reasons, and here are some. Number one, there are lots and lots of good things to do, and therefore we try and do too many of them with our limited time. Another reason is that in our world, busyness is now the status symbol. If you look busy, you are considered important and impressive. The sociologist Jonathan Gershnew writes, work, not leisure, is now the signifier of dominant social status. Now that's a working, outworking of our YOLO world. If my worth is based on my usefulness, then my kids and myself, we need to be busy and seem to be busy to be useful and valuable in our world. A third reason is our our digital world. Many of us are overcome hour by hour by the urge to be online with its shallow information and virtual relationships. DeYoung says this, The biggest deception of our digital age maybe be the lie that says we can be omni-competent, omni-informed, and omni-connected. The truth is we can't be any of those things, whether we're online or not. Finally, many Christians are terribly busy because they sincerely want to obey God. So we feel the pressure of doing more, praying more, sharing our faith more, and that produces low level guilt which sits there every night. Now, can I just encourage you, that is not how God wants you to live. Either we are guilty of sin, laziness, and need to repent and be forgiven, or We need to deal with what's going on in our hearts. Now, we live in a busy world. There is no solution to that, and it's not going to change because it's a reality in God's creation. Yet a life of constant busyness damages God's image bearers. The secular world agrees. It says busyness leads to chronic stress, work inefficiency, fatigue, and employee turnover. Scientists have observed that constant busyness shrinks the brain's grey matter and never turning off creates a phenomenon called toxic time in which we're physically present but emotionally disconnected. More importantly, busyness causes our spiritual lives to shrivel. If you are constantly busy... It will ruin your joy. When our lives are frantic, our hearts fill with anxiety and resentment and impatient. A constantly busy person will make you a joyless wretch, snapping like a turtle and personally engaging as a cat. Busyness can choke our faith. In Mark four nineteen, parable of the seeds, the human heart is a thick forest of thorns. For most of us, it will not be heresy or a major sin that will derail our Christian life. It will be the worries of the Western materialistic life. We'll be so worried about our house renovations, giving our kids every opportunity in Orange, our career advancement, planning a wedding, caring for our pets or just planning the next holiday. And in the busyness of doing all those things, the work of God's word is pushed aside and our faith shrivels. And so we start saying, I'm too busy to come to church. I'm too busy to serve. I want you to know this. Busyness kills more Christians than persecution each year. And busyness can cover up the rot in our souls. This is what the Pharisees went through. We avoid dealing with the pride and the bad habits by just being busy. We've got no time to consider the biblical promises and commands and we refuse to learn from past mistakes. We all need God's wisdom to navigate busy times. This has been our prayer throughout our series for the first three weeks, Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days, God, carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. God has a better life for us than constant self-focused busyness. It is the life that navigates each day as a dependent loved image bearer who knows their place in God's grand story. And it is a life that attacks busyness with more than mindfulness exercises. God's word gives us three principles that will help us live wisely. So number one, Seek to do the apt thing. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. As Christine read, it was a beautiful poem, isn't it? It's a stunning poem about life. It is a poem which describes life as a wide range of contrasting times. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time for war, and a time for peace. Life is ever-changing, but it's also very predictable. We should expect these contrasts in life. But note that every activity in the poem takes time. They are episodes of duration, not specific events birth is not a day but a season. It is more than the delivery of the baby. It includes expectation, the arrival, the changes in the marriage, the sleepless nights, the parent guilt and then the wonderful moments of joy. The season of throwing away is one of remembering the memories, thanking God and then making space for new opportunities. To say there is a time to die and mourn is to recognise that death asks something from us. In Jewish culture, they put seven days aside for when someone passed away. The family would stop work and they would mourn and their friends would come and sit in their house on very low stools to sit in the lowness of loss with them. And giving the time to mourn allowed them to then move to the next season. Repentance of sin is a season, not a quick prayer. Saying sorry for our sins cannot be rushed or it will haunt us. Naming the sin, recognising the hurt, seeking the reconciliation, That's really hard work and it takes time if you want real forgiveness and restoration. Life is full of different times. And verse 11, God has made everything appropriate in its time. That word appropriate is the word for apt, sometimes translated beautiful. And the point is this. There is a God-designed, beautiful, fitting, apt activity for every time. And the wise life is reading the times and then seeking to do the appropriate or the apt thing. And that's why busyness leads to foolishness. Because our busyness makes us look inwards And in our go-go-go lives, we often fail to see the time we are in and so we do the wrong activity, causing frustration and pain. Busy living is like driving your car with a constant need for a wheel alignment. You're out of sync all the time. But seeking to do the apt thing is hard because we've got limited perception. We don't see everything. We've got limited capacity to do the apt thing. But in the wisdom literature, the goal is never perfection. The goal is wisdom. Only Jesus, the perfect image bearer, always did the appropriate thing. The goal for us is to live by faith, trusting God's rule over all times, and boldly trying to do the apt thing in the time we are in. After two weeks of our series, the apt thing is the dad who has made a decision and told his friends that he is now going to come home every single night and have dinner with his kids and wife. That is the beautiful thing. It's the mum who has now deleted social media off her phone so she has time to invest in her growth group relationships. That's the beautiful thing. And it's the couple at church at nine who invite people into their house every single Sunday for lunch. That's the beautiful thing. Time is more than a space for us to pursue our wants. God calls his people to walk through the seasons of time with him, seeking to do the apt thing. Number two, at the end of Luke 10, we find the closest thing Jesus gives to a sermon on busyness. And I actually think we're meant to empathise or sympathise with Martha. Jesus, how can you encourage laziness? There are things to be done. The house is a mess. The kids need picking up. Dinner is cold. We can't just be praying and listening to sermons all day. That might work for a monk, but it doesn't work for a real person. Martha is doing good things. She's not on social media, right? She is serving just as God calls her to do. And so she looks Jesus in the eyeballs and says, Jesus, tell my sister to get off her bum and help. And Jesus doesn't. Look at 41. 1041, Luke. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus says her name twice. It's an expression of deep love and care. And she looks at Martha and sees she is very, very worked up and upset. And if you're a busy person, you totally get this. You go day after day, crazy month after crazy month. You're worried and troubled and fussing. The to-do list is unending. The surprises of life overwhelming. No one understands you. And Jesus turns to Martha and says, Mary has chosen the better thing she is sitting at my feet to learn and worship and I will not take that from her your busyness is not wrong but it is not best now this is not a blueprint for every moment It's not an invitation to avoid homework, teenagers. It's not a, not a invitation to avoid washing up, teenagers. It's not a, it's not a, it's not an invitation to not go to work, right? But it is a strong reminder that we had better keep the best things first. And actually all Mary and Martha is, is a story of Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. Man and woman, We do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The actual key word in the passage is in verse 40. It's the word distracted. In her busyness, Martha is distracted from the best thing. What Martha is doing is she's giving Jesus her spiritual leftovers. God is never angry that you have a hectic week. It is normal. But God knows when you only ever give him your leftovers. Busyness distracts Christians from the best thing. You see, we know the Lord. Our Lord is kind and powerful. Our Lord died on a cross for us. Our worth, our meaning and our purpose come from Jesus, not our assignments, not our work, not even our family. Jesus knows our future, can handle the mess and offers wisdom in every moment. And the best thing each day is the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and pour our hearts out to Jesus and then have Jesus speak words of life and wisdom to us. De Young says this, It is not wrong to be tired or feel overwhelmed or go through seasons of chaos. What is wrong and heartbreakingly foolish and avoidable is to live a life with more craziness than we want because we have less Jesus than we need. We will keep choosing busyness If we don't say yes to more Jesus. Currently Amazon has 60,000 books under the topic of time management. Busy people want the secret to being more productive with their time. Read the books, ruthlessly prioritise. Set a time limit for every task. Eliminate your distractions. They're great tips, right? However, note how time is described. Help them be productive with their time. They own the time and they want to use it well. The Christian has more than a Jesus flavoured to-do list. The Christian life involves dying. See 2 Corinthians chapter 3 on the screen. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died, and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised. When we become a Christian, for those of you who are Christian, we connect ourselves by faith to the historical Jesus. And Jesus is our substitute who dies in our place and faces our judgment. And he is also our representative. So that on the cross, when he died, I died with him. My agenda for life died on that cross. And when I was raised, I was not raised to just keep doing my life as I did. No, no, I live in time with Jesus's agenda. If there is no difference between us and the world who don't know Jesus, then we've misunderstood the power of the gospel. At the top of every page of a Christian diary is this. Today is Jesus's time because I no longer live for myself but for the one who died for me. We need to put the phrase, my time in the bin. Because I died with Christ and my agenda died with Christ and I now live as Jesus's person, following what Jesus says is important. So I sit at the feet of Jesus. I I invest my time in people more than stuff and i will not just be busy with my time it will be clear to everyone in this room and in your life cuz they will see how you use your time will see who's in charge which planet in our solar system has the longest day anyone want to have a guess Anyone? It's Venus. Venus completes a rotation every 243 Earth days. That is a long time for activity each day. But how good would a long weekend be, right? (laughs) Jupiter rotates every nine hours. Oh, man. Imagine getting things done on that planet. God created us to live with 24 hours. It's not a, not an accident, right? It's good. It made, He made it with night and day. He knows exactly what we're meant to go through. And He made us to be busy workers just like Him. In God's world, world, hard work is not the problem. If you work hard, that is not the problem. Sacrificing self for others is not the problem. If you have creativity, ambition and love for people, you will be busy and you will feel the pressure of time every day. Yet, know this. If you are busy, that does not mean you're faithful to God. If you are busy, it doesn't mean you're fruitful to God. It just means you are busy. That's it. Busy people are busy. The wise life in time is not busily pursuing ourselves or living a slothful life. The wise life, the best life, comes from navigating each day as a dependent, loved image bearer who knows their place in God's grand story. So what do we do to be wise? We try and understand the season we're in and we try and do the apt activity, the beautiful activity We know that the best thing in whatever my life has for tomorrow is to sit at Jesus' feet. And we know that at the top of our diary, we live with Jesus' time. Yet busyness is a big problem for many of us. It sucks the joy out of our lives. It's causing many of our faiths to wilt as we give Jesus our leftovers and it's covering up the rots of our heart. You know what the devil says this morning? He says, ignore it. It's just normal to be busy. God says, deal with the cause of your sinful busyness. Because at the heart of sinful busyness is one word. Pride. Pride is putting ourselves first. Pride is pretending we are God of our lives. Pride is putting our trust in ourselves and pride seeks our identity and worth and value in ourselves. So what's our challenge this week? It is to reflect on which aspect of pride drives your sinful busyness which is stealing your joy, crushing your faith and covering up the rot in your heart. Here are six aspects of pride I'd like you to choose one from or come with another one. Number one, at the centre of your heart may be people-pleasing. So we say yes to too many things because we want people to like us and we fear their disapproval. If you're a people pleaser, then know this, it leads to a miserable, miserable life because you live and die by the approval of others and it hurts those who are close to you because they get the leftover time. Is people pleasing driving your sinful busyness? Number two, praise. Praise. We say yes to too many things because we desire to be a hero for people and we want that transitory reward of feeling really needed. Is that is that yours? Number three, power. We overrate our ability and importance in the world, so we need to be in control. You might be a helicopter parent. You may not be able to delegate to anyone because you need to be in control it's actually a form of pride. Number four, possessions. We are busy because we want more stuff. Western busyness is often a choice to be enslaved to a busy job, a big mortgage and a love of money. If you really wanted to fix your busyness, could you have a smaller house tonight? Could you take a job that demands less of you? Could you take less money so you could serve God more fully? And if your answer is no, I can't take a lesser job, I can't live in a smaller house, I can't have less money, then why not? Because deep down you want it more than Jesus. Pity. People feel sorry for me when I'm busy and I like that. I like to feel needed. I like to not be, I like to be a little out of control because then everyone gives me cuddles and sends me messages on Facebook and I and I feel loved. It's pride. Number six, perfection. I can't stop because I can't make a mistake. I've hated this activity because I see most of them in myself. And I've given it a week of time to do it. You will not find the pride in your heart if you don't give it time this week. You will believe the devil and he will say you're too busy to deal with it. It may take days of wrestling with God for it to come to light. But when it does, and it will for those of you who take this seriously, what Jesus says is, bring it to him. Repent of it specifically, name it to Jesus and ask Jesus to forgive your pride and rip it out of your heart and replace it with his abundant grace, which declares that you are a beloved, forgiven child of God forever. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen.